A great teacher's legacy is never confined merely to texts or rules. A great teacher challenges us to look at the world differently, to see everything in it that needs healing, and to rise up to the role that we ourselves have to play in repairing all that is broken. My name is Leah Leibowitz, and the seventh Lubavitcher Rebbe, Menachem Mendel Schneerson, is the teacher I look to whenever I feel a pang of despair. And I'm not alone. Last year, a few of our finest thinkers, writers, and activists got together to reflect on how the Rebbe's teachings continue to give us, to paraphrase a wonderful book on the subject, a social vision, a Jewish vision for a more perfect society working to mend the many rifts we've caused over time. In coming episodes, you'll hear about ethics and the economy, about religion and the environment, about spirituality and social justice. But first, let's take a moment to celebrate, not just life and our role in it, but Tu Bishvat, one of the lesser known yet more meaningful Jewish holidays. For that, we turn to Ellen Bernstein, who 33 years ago founded the first national Jewish environmental organization, Shomre Adama. She remains one of our more original thinkers about the intersections of Judaism, Bible, and ecology, and is an advisor to the Yale Forum on Religion and Ecology. Here she is on Tu Bishvat, and how it can reawaken the spirit of caring for the earth in each and every one of us. What moves me the most about the Rebbe's life is his work in the public sphere. I don't know many Jewish leaders who devote themselves to work in the public domain, and it's very comforting to me to know that the Rebbe did, since this is the place where I've centered my own work in Judaism and ecology. I'm going to address my comments to two specific topics. First, since Tu B'Shvat, the Jewish New Year of the Trees, is just on the horizon, and since our conference is particularly interested in mysticism and Tu B'Shvat is rooted in mysticism, I want to devote most of my time to the discussion of this holiday. Tu B'Shvat has also been central to my work over the last 33 years, both for its ecological aspects and for its opportunities to bring Jewish ecological ideas to a wide public. Second, I'll address ways in which I feel the Jewish world needs to grow in order to deepen its own environmental thinking and practices. Let me begin with a bit of context. What drew me back to Judaism as a young adult were the Jewish holidays. When I first rediscovered Judaism, I couldn't believe how much fun the holidays were. As a child growing up, I had had no positive experience of Judaism or the festivals and thought of them as solemn or boring occasions. Over time and with study and experience, I came to see that the holidays mark the seasons, the joy of rain in its proper time, the ingathering of the harvest and the birthing of lands long before they were associated with Jewish history. While I was exploring the ecological meaning of my own traditions holidays, I was learning from the work of environmental artist, Chris Wells, about how festivals and in particular pageants and parades could delight and engage people in the restoration of the earth. I began to see the Jewish holidays in a new light and realized they could also function as organizing nodes throughout the year to both build community 
and inspire and enlist people in the care for our earthy home. Tu B'Shvat, the Jewish New Year for the Trees, was the most obvious Jewish holiday for engaging communities in environmental care and environmental justice. Tu B'Shvat is not just a festival of the trees, it's a celebration of the ultimate tree, the tree of life, and the whole natural world. And because it has no set liturgy, there's tremendous latitude for creative expression. The Kabbalists, the mystics who first took this holiday both seriously and lightheartedly, developed a colorful and flavorful Seder for it, a ritual fruit feast celebrating the exquisite diversity of creation. They celebrated by blessing and eating fruits with and without shells, drinking color-coded wine concoctions, and reading passages about the creation and the whole natural world. They viewed reality in terms of four levels or four worlds, Asiya, Yitzira, Bria, Atsilut, or doing, feeling, thinking, and spirit. These four worlds translate naturally to the four elements of earth, water, air, and fire. The Tubishvat Seder is a playful, and as one of my students would affectionately say, bizarre holiday, but bizarre in the best kind of way. The point of the Seder, besides celebrating the diversity of the creation, is to bless the world. The more fruits we eat, the more we are required to bless. For the Kabbalists, blessing is an act of tikkun olam, of fixing the world. Nature's well-being depends in part on our kavanot, the intentions we hold in our hearts and express through our blessings before partaking of nature's bounty. The Kabbalists understood that whenever we take a fruit from a tree without blessing it, we're depleting the tree of its life-sustaining energy. When we offer a blessing, we can restore the energy and complete the cycle. The earth gives to us and we give back to the earth. And so we live in continuous reciprocity with the earth and her creatures. When we neglect the blessings, we are, the Talmud tells us, like robbers stealing the divine energy from the plant. Blessings can also help us to shape our values. When we bless with intention, we train ourselves to appreciate the gift, the bread, the wine, the rain that we have been given. Most of us take nature for granted. We live lives of thoughtless consuming. We live in a state of forgetting. It requires a tremendous amount of focus to remember that the earth and her inhabitants are living generative beings and that nature is a gift and that our actions towards her matter. Blessings afford us a spiritual practice that can help us to wake up and actively care for nature as we care for ourselves. In my own work developing the first ecologically centered Tubishvat Seder 33 years ago, I sought to create a heart opening festival filled with art and music that was inviting to everyone regardless of religious background. I've always been motivated to positioning Jewish ideas in the marketplace of ideas. And the very first Tu B'Shvat Seder took place in one of Philadelphia's beloved boathouses on the banks of the Schuylkill River and was co-sponsored by the Philadelphia Parks Department. We created a beautiful space for the Seder, decorated with living trees and life-size puppets that honored the elements. Song and dance, nature-centered poetry, and ecological readings brought the biblical and Kabbalistic texts of the original Tu Seder to life. 
Set in this context, Tu B'Shvat is completely fun and irresistible. I refer you to the link of the video of my Seder that I've been running for the last three decades that's in the chat. Everything that I love about the connection between caring about the earth and caring about our own souls, everything was there in the room. Creating vivid and life-affirming experiences of the natural world always seemed to me the most compelling way to engage people in the care of nature. People are much more responsive to positive celebratory messages than they are to moralistic punitive ones. Significantly, Tubishvat Seders offer a joyful way of building community across a political divide, which actually may be one of the most important things we must do if we really hope to help the earth restore herself. Our Jewish holidays are like gems that sparkle at precise moments during the seasonal cycle and brighten up the year, creating joy and connecting us to each other and the natural world. We, all of us, all peoples, regardless of background, need holidays, time to rest, reflect, wonder, build community, and remember what we're doing here on this earth. We can't just keep pushing and depleting ourselves. This will only lead to despair and burnout, climate fatigue. Taking care of the earth requires taking care of ourselves and holidays give us the space to do that. And to reiterate, I believe that the Jewish practice of holidays can benefit many peoples, not just those who are Jewish, as we endeavor to help the earth regain a state of healthy balance. I want to devote my last minute or so to discussing what I think is needed in the Jewish world today. But first, let me say that we all owe a great debt of gratitude to Adam Berman here today and Shamu Fenevesi for the spectacular work of Adama and Urban Adama. I believe that the Jewish farming movement is the most exciting and hopeful development in the Jewish community today. Abundance Farm, the farm at the synagogue where I live in Northampton, Mass, grows tons of food, feeds those in need, protects the soil and sequesters carbon, engages hundreds of unaffiliated Jews in Jewish life and care for the earth. The synagogue is so much more robust, filled with crowds of children frolicking in our gardens since the farm was introduced. It models what it means to be a religious community in the 21st century. On the other hand, what has been very disappointing to me is the lack of any kind of program in Judaism and ecology at the university and rabbinical school level. Environment is often framed as the cause du jour in established Jewish life, one of a litany of issues that good people must attend to. Environment, climate, the earth, these categories have not been of central concern in the Jewish world. And yet the environmental crisis is the greatest existential threat facing humanity. The land, the earth, is the source of our life and the length of our days. The field of Judaism and ecology needs to deepen. Religious leaders need to learn how to integrate ecological thinking and practice into every aspect of religious life, into the center of religious life, not the periphery. For decades, I tried to find a Jewish institution that would host a master's program in Judaism and ecology, but there were no takers. 
Meanwhile, in environmental studies classes all over the world, students are still being taught that Genesis 128, the now infamous verse that gives humanity dominion over the earth and its creatures, is responsible for our climate crises. This kind of simplistic and misguided reading of the text sows seeds of distrust towards Judaism and Christianity and deepens the secular and religious divide. We will never restore our earth until religious and secular, conservative and liberal work together for the common purpose of the future of life on this planet. Judaism has an authentic eco-theology, but it must be developed. We need some kind of center, perhaps an academic institution, perhaps a PhD program to foster the work, a space for people to come together and develop ideas, to share and grow in reciprocal relationship, a space for students and religious leaders to learn and to develop the field into a serious discipline, a space to nurture the interconnections that we all know are needed for all life to survive and thrive. There are so many ways in which scholars in the academy could help advance these ideas and possibilities, and I hope that over the course of this conference, we'll have the opportunity to explore this further. 